Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Nolan. And Stephen Craig. And this is episode 84. So, if you didn't hear last week, um, the hurricane kind of fucked shit up here in, in Houston. That's a good way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> um, so, we were actually recording here at Macrofab on our um, Yeti mic, USB mic. Right. Uh, so, Josh's studio, uh, unfortunately, did get flooded. And by flooded... We're talking five feet of yeah, water. Yeah, it turned into a pool. Yeah. Uh, it, to be honest, he was in a uh, lower-grade basement, which basements don't exist in Houston, but it's sort of for this reason. Uh, and a series of events uh, caused it to kind of be a little bit underwater. So his equipment is safe, but he doesn't really have a location at the moment, so we are recording at Macrofab, uh, and we will be getting better uh, solutions coming up here soon, so hang in with us. Yep. And because this is kind of a unique situation with the recording and stuff, we're going to do a special episode. Yeah, something unique. Yeah. Um, basically, no RFO. <laughs> we're going to talk for an hour. Yeah, we're going to talk for an hour. <laughs> no. Um, no, we're not going to do an RFO or a POW this week. Right. Um, we're basically going to talk about projects that we've been working on. Uh, for very long, long periods time. of time. So this is kind of like a status update or state of the union on these projects that we have mentioned on the show and kind of either forgotten about or haven't done anything with for a long time. Well, and and just to let everyone know, uh, there's been many of you who have written in to the podcast asking about particular projects, and most of them go, hey, whatever happened to this? Yeah. Or are you guys ever going to finish this? Or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I just want to make sure that everyone knows we certainly hear you, and we're going to give you an update on all of those cool things that we were doing. Yeah, so I'll start first. Okay. Um, the pin heck, which is the pinball controller that I do for Spooky Pinball. Yep. Um, I think when I last left off, we were talking about the Rev 8 end of the line edition. And that was Steven's computer going bloomp because he got a notification. <laughs> <laughs> on the fly recording. Um, so, yeah, um, we're working on the end of the line edition, which is basically the last of the pin hecks. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever we come up with next, we'll basically going to wipe the slate clean start over and come up with a new name like minotaur or something cool like that oh well i think that name's cool it sounds like you have already picked the name yeah (laughs) i really like that name because it's kind of goofy and it fits it fits how because it sounds cool oh oh, that's that's the only requirement for it fitting is it just sounds cool (laughs) um so i started um basically we made that that raspberry pi 3 compute module board um and that all worked and Steven still doesn't hasn't given me a beer yet for it. Hey, I gave you a six-pack of Zima. No, our guest gave me a Zima, and Zima's not beer. They gave me the beer, and then I gave it to you. But that's not beer. <laughs> it's a malt liquor beverage. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll get something. Just bring me some of your homebrew. I'll be fine with that. Yeah, I, I actually have to homebrew now. Because <laughs> uh, we kind of ran out during the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, speaking of that, like, so... I had the generator running, keeping the fridge cold, yeah. right? Because that's like the only thing the fridge could it could happen. So during the night, I had the freezer running in the refrigerator that's inside the house. And then during the day, I had the my fermentator cooling the beer down. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was like, I was trading off what the generator could power up. That's a, that beer's got to be done fermenting. It's cold crashing now. Nice. So yeah. another week or so? Um, this Sunday, I will transfer it into the keg. So and, I then, usually do, and then you got another week of... Yeah, farming. I usually do about three weeks of fermenting, and then I do a week of cold crash, 
and then I do a week in the keg, mm. usually as conditioning mm. or dry hopping, and then I put sugar in it and keg condition it for two weeks. Oh, you let it sit in the keg without priming sugar? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, it depends. It depends. All depends on the beer. Yeah. If I dry hop, I don't put sugar in it. Gotcha. But if I don't dry hop, then I go ahead and put the sugar in. You're right. You're right. I don't just let it sit there doing nothing. Age. Yeah. Age. Age makes all beer taste good. That's true. To a degree. To a degree. And then, and then it gets really, really bad. Yeah, really bad. <laughs> Anyways, Pinheck. Yeah. I got the Raspberry Pi 3 compute module. That all worked great. Um, Wait, it, can you call it the Pinatar? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's pretty good. <laughs> the Pinatar. What would the animal look like? Uh, would it be like a, a pinball machine on top of a human body? Well, that would be like a pyramid head from, yeah, exactly. from uh, Silent Hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Pinotar. The Pinotar. <laughs> you got to use that. Yeah, that's got to be it. Now. Okay. Uh, we got to come up with some logo for it then. If you draw anything that looks like a Pinotar and then email it in at podcast.macfed.com and you're in the United States, we'll send you some swag. Yeah, send your, send your actually, address. If you actually draw something, we'll actually send you a t-shirt. And we'll post it on yeah. yeah, and we'll post it on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So whatever your in, uh, your idea of what the Pinotar is. Yeah. What that. kind of animal is that? Oh, that is Mythical great. creature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we took the Raspberry Pi 3 compute module, right? And we grafted it onto the Rev 7 board, which is what we currently uh, use. And that all works. Yeah. Um, actually, surprisingly well, how that, like, it looks, I have to take a picture and, and put it on the podcast notes because it's all green wire. It's a, right? yeah, it's all green wire. It's just a monstrosity of like hot glue and, and wires, but it all works. And so um, Ben took basically took a netlist change, mm. and I'm applying that to the pinheck board and graphing the compute module onto the current pinheck board, ripping off the parallax propeller and all that stuff, and we're gonna be running prototypes in like two weeks. So. Nice. We'll have that on Twitter as well, because um, that's like a thousand dollar prototype. <laughs> I mean, it's a big, it's a six layer, fourteen inch by six inch board that's got like over a hundred through hole and over like two hundred SMT parts. And if you throw in all the labor that you put into it, it's way more than a thousand dollar prototype. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's about a, a grand, so cool. But it's a it's a pretty nice nice board. I like the board. Um, we'll probably change the color to like matte blue or something. Yeah, I, I haven't seen matte blue. Do they do matte blue? Yeah, they do matte blue. Huh. I've only seen the gloss blue. Because um, we do matte red for the current Rev 7. Yep. And so for Rev 8 and the line, I'll do like blue or something. Something okay. cool, different. Something distinguishable. Yeah. Maybe like brown. Because no one picks that option. Is that an option? That is an option to get brown solder mask, yeah. Vintage. It looks like old phenolic boards. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the Jeep. So we got the Bluetooth done, all that stuff. And now I got like the paint's all done on the Jeep, right? Mm. Um, now I've been working on the electronics inside the Jeep. And then I kind of hinted with the, when we were talking to John Adams, that rock, uh, satellite board yeah. that I'm messing with, that's actually for this project. And so this way it can beam up to the mothership and tell you where <laughs> the Jeep's at or like conditions and stuff like that nice um so 
I'm going to get the internal board working first because there's actually two boards. One board is inside the Jeep that basically reads all the switches. It reads um, the the satellite module. It reads GPS, all that good stuff. It's going to have a lithium battery on it for backup mm -hmm. so that when you turn off the Jeep, it doesn't like kill every, all the stuff that's doing because I'm going to have an SD card so you can record data. Yeah. And then there's a second board that's the data acquisition board that goes under the hood that controls the relays and gets gathers all the information from the sensors and temperature and stuff and then they communicate over um i haven't figured out what i wanted yet i'm actually thinking about just doing usb okay because it usb is twisted parallel vds right it's um and all i need is the ft uh 230x chip on both ends and bam done right right kind of ghetto but you know Convert it up to USB and then convert it right back the down gun. to USB. Yeah. But then just use USB. It will be the same thing if you did RS-485 or 232 or CAN bus. You're converting up to your protocol and then back down for you know right. TTL and, level. And, yeah, anything for long distance. High uh, noise environments. High noise digital. And it's actually, the distance, yeah. not, it's like four feet. <laughs> that's still that's still a little long. Yeah. Though. You couldn't so, do I squared C or, no. or SPI over four. Well, maybe SPI over four feet. That depends on the voltage level and yeah. your speed. If you did like a five volt swing, you probably could get away with it. Yeah. But like a three point three volt swing, you might get too much noise. Well, and a three point three at at uh, fast enough speed, you know, you'd have to go slow effectively. Yeah, yeah you'd have to go slow. <clears throat> but there's not a lot of data that's going. It's like, give me this temperature, eight, you know, eight, eight bit eight number. Nine. Yeah. Um, you know, and then sending the. Signal to relays is going to be two uh, bytes, yeah. so 16 bits. Sure. So it's not like there's a ton of information on this bus. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and it doesn't need to go blinding fast. Yeah, and I could do CAN bus, <coughs> but that's a, it's just cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like FT230X is like, you know, 34 cents, 35 cents or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I already know it works. Well, and you have everything already drawn up. You yeah. can just drag and drop. Yeah. And the good thing about that is if, let's say, the one of the modules isn't responding i can actually over can bus you can't do it mm -hmm. but over this you can send a reset signal over the usb both both can do that mm. and it will toggle it oh that's nice yeah it's gonna be kind of weird because i'm playing both host and master or host and slave yeah host and slave on on this bus but we'll this should work yeah my tests say it will work i mean what's there to not work it's it's not like you're you're actually like interpreting anything you're just converting it and back converting it so yeah. it should be the same on both ends we'll see with a delay we'll see maybe maybe it might not work maybe not yeah um so that's my personal projects that i've been working on yep steven yeah you finished the, the synth i finished the synth yeah it is done exactly. and and that's actually so the, the synth was actually uh one of the things i did in there was actually similar to what i was just mentioning with your ft230x one of the points of the synth was to create like a drag and drop module. So I now have USB connection to an Arduino done in dip trace such that if I ever need to use that again, I can just drop that whole module and I know it will work and I know I can program it. Yep. Uh, I did the same thing actually when I designed a jig a few months ago or actually over a year ago uh, with a uh, propeller. I have like a drag and drop propeller circuit that I just know works. It will work. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, synth is done, but I have that now in case I want to do anything. Um, but since that's done, I kind of went backwards and looked at a project that's been open for a while. Uh, we talked about it multiple times on the on the podcast. It's the uh, the new tube amp. 
Yep. So Korg released new tubes, uh, which is a, a new production vacuum tube. You can go listen to our podcast, which is probably Episode in like three. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. The funny thing is, I I, I got the project basically to the end and then never finished it. Yeah. Uh, I never pressed print. The circuit board is done. The all the parts I have in a box in my bedroom. I just need an enclosure. Uh, and and. So I finished the synth because that was number one in my mind. So I, so I, the new tube amp, I basically just have to assemble it now. But I didn't really have any speakers to play with it. And I talked about it a couple, a handful of episodes ago. I, I was building uh, these uh, speakers called Tritrix speakers, mm-hmm. which I bought from Parts Express? That Part, sounds right. Yeah, Parts Express. I think that's it. Yeah, it's a kit. So I finished those, in quotes. Finished as in they function. Yeah, you uh, didn't do the finishing part. That's right. They are finished, but not finished. In other words, the boxes are built, but they're not painted. They have primer, but not sanded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the 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 part that takes the longest, I haven't done. But they, I built the crossovers. I actually had Parker three D print crossover like plates that holds yep. all the parts. I soldered that all up, and uh, this last weekend I got them uh, installed in my living room, and they are awesome. They sound good. They sound really good. Um, I've been doing A-B tests against just my television speakers versus those, uh, and they are killer. They're absolutely killer. Uh, in fact, it's kind of jarring because of how much of a difference, which is not really hard to beat the TV speakers that I had, um, but it but it's nice to have that A-B test. So now I have the speakers, which drives my desire to have the amp that drives them. Yep. So that's uh, kind of an update on what I will be doing. Yeah. So, and on a side note is, I don't think we've ever said this project. And I actually, before this podcast, I was like, we will not say anything about any other projects that we've never not mentioned before. Okay. Does that sentence make sense? Uh, maybe. I maybe. Know. Um, based, yeah. Do not mention new projects, basically. Yeah, on keep, this, keep, yeah. keep this a secret, guys. Yeah. Um, but we had this idea based off the new tube amp. Oh, is, yeah, 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 yeah. What we wanted to do is this is like ultimate like hipster like oh yeah total wank yeah yeah is put a new t- make a a cell phone holder yeah like an that, otter box like an otter box that's got the new that basically has a new tube tube in it yeah and so you plug your phone into it and then you can plug your headphones into the otter box or whatever we'll call it yeah the new tube box and so now you have a a tube powered headphone amp that is with your phone, so you can get the purest of tone. Yeah, out of your out of your out of your digital three and a half inch jack on your phone. Yeah. <coughs> well, unless you have uh, Apple. Oh yeah, right. Well, then you'd have to digitize it, broadcast it, re-turn it into analog, and then you can massage it with a tube. Yeah, I wonder if it's actually. I wonder if it's cheaper because the thing with Apple devices that plug into an Apple uh, product like a iPhone yeah. is you have to have that special Apple part. Right. Right? Yeah. But they don't make that requirement for Bluetooth. Who's they? Apple. Oh, okay. Apple, an Apple device will connect to any Bluetooth device. Well, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. It doesn't need a special Apple part to, to talk to it. A-B-L-E. Yeah. <laughs> Apple Bluetooth low energy. Able. Able. <laughs> um... So yeah, the uh, don't steal that apple. Yeah, don't steal that. <laughs> um, so I wonder if it's cheaper to just because how inexpensive these Bluetooth modules are getting. Yeah. To 
for an Apple device don't even connect physically, just do Bluetooth. Huh. So like your dock that you have beside your, your bed or whatever, and you put your iPhone in it, instead of connecting through the lightning connector and then having to talk to that expensive Apple chip, it just Bluetooth connects. That that might actually be cheaper. Yeah, it might be cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to sign fewer contracts. Yeah, sign fewer contracts. Yeah. I, it might be, you have if you say it's Apple compatible, you have to have that chip. How, who knows? I bet. Uh, it's There's probably so many hoops that you have to jump through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, go back to having a jack on your phone. Yeah, yeah let's Apple. go back to that thing. And so I was going to put a battery in it, So the because the new tube is pretty thirsty compared to, you know. You, it is and it isn't. Yeah. Uh, you compared could, to tubes, it's not thirsty. Oh, compared but, to tubes, but it's But compared nothing. to a solid-state amplifier, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in the range of a hungry op-amp. Yeah. Hungry, I mean, hungry op-amps. Hungry, hungry op-amps. That should have been the... Uh, the uh, the secret code, code word. word. We'll just make it the title of the podcast. Hungry, hungry op amps. Um, <laughs> Even though we're not talking well, about op amps. <laughs> that's the thing, though. Is, the thing is, is you have you have to make the electrons go through a vacuum barrier. That's not hard. <laughs> well, compared to it going through a substrate, that's harder. You just pull a magnetic field or an, uh, an E field, and they just fly right across. Yeah, but you, that's the whole point of a tube. Yeah, but the the. You have to generate. You have, you have to field. boil them off. That's the hard part. <laughs> Getting them to move ain't so hard. It's releasing them from the metal underneath. You gotta, you gotta just pump a bunch of juice into it, and then, you, I don't know, whatever. It's tough. It is. Yeah. You're right. It is tough. So, so yeah, these tubes are a little bit hungry, and they probably won't work super well at five volts. I think yeah. you have to, you have to bump them up to twelve volts just to get a usable one yeah. volt range. And so I was going to. What was it, 18 volts? They they work pretty well. I can't remember what the voltage. Yeah, was. we played around. With, I think they can run up to 30. Um, yeah, I wonder if we should just build a. You know, I was going to have, um, you know, some lithium cells in there because it's also going to act as like a battery pack. Yeah. That you can use for your phone, um, and I, I, it'd probably just be best just to boost it to like 24. You know, if you want to get real fancy with it. And then put a quarter inch jack on it for your he- fancy headphones. Oh my gosh, it's gonna make the, the box so thick. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, use like eighteen six fifty cells. Yeah, even thicker. Well, okay. Get this. Get real fancy with it. So you got five volts coming out of the phone, right? So yep. you can charge a cell up to five volts. Yeah. Uh, so have a charging circuit that puts all the batteries in parallel when you're charging. So you charge them all to five volts, and then as soon as you're done charging, it puts them in series. Such that you can no. then get your no, high it's voltage. Actually, it's well, no cells go to five volts. Well, sure, sure. Three point seven is nominal. Yeah. And then four point two is your charge state. Sure. Yeah. So set it up so that you can charge to that and then put them in series ah. until you get twelve volts. Put three of them in series. Which is a boost circuit. Yeah, but it's but but you, you lose that you lose that audiophile quality if it's got all that switching noise in it. Ah. You get what I'm going at? Yeah. Yeah, so if you have a pure DC amp, that's like cream of the crop right there. You can say it's like, um, you know how they have that saying where it's like a true sine wave inverter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even though there's no way they're doing that. <laughs> what if you had the same jargon is like true DC powered signal? Yeah. Because a signal is but not it's, DC. But it's got to be like... TRU, where the U has two umlauts over or something like true DC. <laughs> true DC. You know, funny enough, in college, uh, we I was taking uh, 
power management class, or I don't want to, I have no idea what the name was, but uh, we were looking at inverters and our professor was telling us about these true sign inverters. And we actually had a lab where he bought a garbage inverter that had like those buzzwords. And he showed us on, on a, uh, on a scope, this inverter only had three states. It had zero, it had positive voltage and negative voltage and it just rammed in between all of those in at at 60 hertz so so it was a square wave at 60 hertz it was a, well yeah it was basically a square wave that had a little bit of an offset so it just sort of it, it was like a pwm'd uh ah. square wave and it relied on whatever you plugged into it to filter it out so if you put your laptop on that whatever caps you have on the front hope hope they smooth it out you know? <laughs> But he paid like twenty bucks for the thing. He's like, don't don't trust these. You know, don't trust inverters. So if you had a high impedance input, you could see that. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. No, I've it seen was some. I've seen some inverters that the pricey ones. Because um, I've been looking at like a two thousand watt inverter to put into the Jeep. Yeah, and you can get some quote true sine wave unquote ones that actually put out a pretty good sine wave. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever the resolution is, if it's yeah. if it's two bits. You, you're not, you're not <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. get a good resolution there. So be wary, because those can really mess up your day. So speaking of true sine waves, yeah, um, SSPS, the super simple power supply. So <laughs> this was talked about on episode one. One, two, something like We that. introduced the SSPS. We are now on episode 83, <laughs> or 84, 84. 84, 84, and we're talking about the same project from um, episode so one. So we have... The basic concept is in on boards. It's NPCBs, and it's been tested. Oh, it works. Yeah, it, it flat out does what and we, we have it. most of the stuff sitting over there on that bench collecting dust. Yeah, and it weighs like ninety pounds. That's generous. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. one hundred and forty pounds it's, of transformers. Yeah, the transformers are monstrous. Um, so with the completion of the um synth. Yep. And when when Steven gets the speakers and the do tube amp um, done, we're gonna actually start working on that. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of talked about it the other day, and we were just like, yeah, we need the really. It's not that far thing. away. No, it's not. Uh, the, the the biggest hurdle right now is not actually getting it to output a voltage. We've done that, and it outputs. I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's cooling it down. That's going to be the hard part. Yeah. But we have the parts to do it. We just kind of need to assemble it. And really, with all the green wires that I have on the board, on uh, on the analog board, I really should do a well, second get, board spin. Yeah, we'll get another board spin, and we'll finish up the digital side, and then put. You know, I'm I'm thinking we'll probably get done next three months. Uh, that that might be as generous as the weight of the SSPS. <laughs> so we, we could reset. We could try. We can increase that by 30% then, right? Okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and then another project would be the LED clock. Yep. Um, I have one prototype segment done. Mm -hmm. um, I am uh, ordering the rest of the segments probably next week. I have to finish the... It's really funny because I got like the big segment done, yeah. which is like the, the, the big part. The official segment. Yeah. The, the, I need to put make like squares that go in between like the hours and minutes and seconds. Yeah, and that part I haven't done done yet. <laughs> it's like the it's easier because it's less work. Yeah, the easiest. And I haven't done that yet. And then I need to make the control board, and then somehow power it. 
That's going to be your hardest part. Yeah, because it needs like 0.6, 0.7-ish amps per segment. Mm. We've talked about those on the yeah. podcast. Okay, a thought just came There's to There's like 40 amps at like 1.7 volts. <laughs> I, just had, I just had a thought, though. Could you connect each segment to a solid-state relay and PWM it just on and off for incredibly small amounts of time? You can. Yeah. And and there you go. You don't have to have a power supply. Just run it on wall voltage. Yeah. I mean, it's dangerous, but... I mean, we're running the LEDs without current limiting. Yeah. Yeah, they could go nuts. You know what, what I should do is design a... What is it? 48-channel... It's actually... It's going to be bigger. It's going to be like a 54-channel constant current power supply. That, that, you'd, and you'd have to burn off a... T- on a power yeah. on a, the, uh, a, a resistor the size of a bench. <laughs> speaking of a space heater. Speaking of resistor size of a bench. Uh-oh. Um, this is probably the project that's been asked about the most. Most. The resistor resistor, yeah. or the greatest resistor in the world, or other names we've called it. Yeah. Um, PCBs arrived. And we got a couple this time. Yeah, I have five PCBs sitting over there. Yep. And they look amazing. Yes. And they will actually fit inside of our machines, because we checked for that this time. Yes, we checked to make sure. Yeah. Um, so all we were waiting on now is basically some free time on the pick and place, because it's going to take... a couple, I think we said three hours, right? Yeah, it's 6,000 components an hour. It actually runs faster than that, so right. we'll probably get like 8,000 components an hour. 6,000 is like normal every day. Okay, so that's more like four to five hours of yeah. runtime. Yeah. Continuous Continuous runtime. four hours. Of runtime, assuming there's no issues. Yeah. And one thing we haven't tested yet is if the um, pick and place can handle 40,000 line items. Or I, would think it, I would think it would be able to. Or, or a software will crash. Well, I guess we'll have to find yeah. out. <laughs> what if they use an 8 bit number or a 16 bit number? 16 bit should be high enough, right? 64,000 something? Uh, 65535. Right? Yeah, so 16 six, bit number would be high enough. Yeah, 16-bit, yeah. yeah. And I bet you they're using 32 or 16 Probably 32. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's probably rare that they run into situations like this, but I bet you it can handle it. Yeah. And this time, so when I first designed it, I, I chose every part as 0603. Yeah. Uh, you went two sizes smaller. I went 0201. 0201. And this, because Steven designed it in Eagle, because his Jip Trace license wasn't, like a high enough tier to handle that many parts. <laughs> I, I have I have the one beneath the most expensive, so I can handle two thousand nets. No, I'm sorry, not two two thousand components. Yeah, so I can't do forty four forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. So he did an eagle because the free version allowed him to do that. That's, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and then I did I did the new design, mm. but this time I actually did a schematic and made a net. So Stephen did knock this thing out in like a day. Actually, it less than like an hour. Yeah, it, it was it was just copy and paste. It was it was binary copy and paste. Do one, then two, then four, four then eight. Yeah. yeah. And so I did I I did the same thing. I I did it on a schematic. Yeah. Is I did, you know, copy paste that, and then I made nets. Yeah. And I didn't know Steven didn't do the nets. Eagle has a really hard time with forty thousand LED uh, resistors. And having to deal with all the nets associated with that as well. Right, I had no nets. Yeah. And so I actually wrote custom ULP scripts (laughs) 
to do stuff because it took so long to move stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to write the script to do it for me and let it run overnight. Yeah. <laughs> so I brute forced it. Yeah. And you went the, the intelligent way yeah. throughout it. Well, mine actually took longer to do, though. Yeah, mine took way less time. Yeah. The brute force way was... The brute force, no netless way was definitely the way to go on it. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in most of the time, brute force... Do, isn't as elegant and doesn't take as much it's inherently less elegant uh and it gives you a lot less but in this situation i think it worked yeah easier. it works way better yeah um so I'll, I'll put the the code and stuff for those um scripts i wrote in the in the links below in case somebody else wants to run their thing their ego yeah. overnight well it's also a good example of like doing mass like arrays and stuff because basically it's like it took the whole thing and then, st- and depending on the number of the resistor or the capacitor, resistor, yeah. depending on the number of the resistor, it would move it to a certain spot in the array. So it built the entire array up. Right, right. You see, yours inherently just works. It, it yeah. there's no way it couldn't work. Mine was very reliant upon me following a very strict set of steps. If if I copied and pasted incorrectly, then the numbered of the resistors would be off. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> I had to do things very specifically and very properly. Yeah. I haven't had a script that... So I have one script that placed the parts yeah. on the PCB. And then I had another script that would draw the polygons. Yeah. And then at the very end, it ran, you know, the rat nest and then filled everything out. Sure. And then it took like 10 minutes to process the Gerbers. Yeah. Uh, my fav- this is my favorite thing, and this is kind of, it's really funny, is the resulting Eagle file, BRD file, was only two megabytes, okay? Because you know how they have that thing where, um, what's called zip bombs, mm-hmm. where it's a zip file that's only a couple kilobytes, but when you unzip it, it's like a runtime error, and so you get like gigabytes <laughs> of, yeah. of data that's just garbage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an Eagle bomb. You're so, right. Yeah, right. so when you run and make the camp file, it makes like... <laughs> 40 megabyte files out of a <laughs> two meg file. And I call it the Eagle Bomb because the best thing is you can upload it to like Osh Park. And oh, it accepts it just fine, except it just takes forever to do anything. Wait, did Osh Park actually oh, do no, that? Oh, no, it crashed. Okay, I was about um, to say. And I even ran it on, on our site too, and it, it, it bombed out eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, I would think that most viewers, online viewers, would, would crap themselves yeah, if they yeah. got that. Because, well, because you turn a two meg file into like. 20, 20 meg files or even bigger. You know there's a guy on the back end of Osh Park being like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know what? I bet you they've seen crap like that before. Though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess another thing we should mention is we have a Slack channel. This is kind of a weird spot in the podcast to announce that, though. This is but we'll get towards weird. the end, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Macrofab has a Slack channel? Yeah, so we're, we're trying to build up kind of like our um, community and bring it out of the email age. That's where all our community is at now. Um, and on Twitter as well. But try to bring, like, we thought about IRC. Um, I think that's too old. It, plus, it, I, It's very old. Plus, I like GIFs and, and emojis and stuff, which, which IRC doesn't really support too well. Right. Um, so we have a Slack channel. There'll be a link in the podcast description. Um, click it. Come join us. Laugh. Have give, fun. Give us questions about the map, that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and so that, what's the name of the channel? Macrofab.slack.com. <laughs> yeah, macrofab.slack.com. There we go. Okay. And that was this week's Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Prokadon. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with your coworkers, friends, family, or loved ones. They might hate you after that, though. <laughs> if you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, um, tweet us at Macrofab or hit us up on Facebook. If social media isn't your thing, our email is podcast at macrofab.com. And as mentioned earlier in the show, we have Slack which is macfab.slack.com. Mm-hmm. And they're not in the head, so that's right. Um, and if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button, which is somewhere on the page that you're looking at. Um, that way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. Later. <laughs>